It's Taste of Country Nights on Demand with Evan Paul, Season 2, Episode 38 with Riley Green. And you seem to be a guy that people go to to collaborate uh, recently. Like, what, how, do you turn a lot down? Do you get a lot? What was happening here? I don't know that I would turn anybody down that wants me to do a song with them. I'm like Lil Wayne right now. For yeah, a while, that's I was, what I'm I saying. I was on everybody's We had a lot of fun talking with Riley Green. We talked about new music coming up. Uh, also, he was in an underwear ad, so we had to talk about that. And as a bonus to this episode, Russell Dickerson stopped by right after Riley Green was here. And we'll sit down and talk to him in this one as well. Go ahead and give us a like, a subscribe, a, you know, a comment a rating it all helps us out here at taste of country nights on demand part of the town square media podcast network evan paul here hanging with riley green the duck man what's up brother i don't know man how you been i've been good man how about you wide open yeah man you got this new album coming out ain't my last rodeo tell me about the song my last rodeo uh, so my last rodeo was inspired by my granddaddy buford he was uh he passed away in 2010 and when he was in the hospital, he was one of those kind of long, drawn-out sicknesses. And uh, he told me the same my last rodeo. is I, I, Kind of to me, I think he was just trying to put me at ease a little bit. You know, we're obviously very close. and knew it was a tough time for me. And, you know, 13 years later, I write this song. So it stayed with me for a long time. And uh, I just think it's, a you know, a very relatable message to people that's lost anybody that kind of has that relationship with them. So it was a song that's personal to me, but uh, definitely – Wanted to make it on this album and didn't want to call the album My Last Rodeo, you know. <laughs> right. So, Ain't My Last Rodeo worked out great. Yeah. All right. And you've wrote, uh, written a couple songs about your granddaddy. I mean, he would be proud to hear those, wouldn't he? I, I'm sure. My granddaddy Buford was a really witty guy, was very creative, good with words, wrote poems and all that. And I think if he was around... When I was at this portion of my career, he'd have been a great songwriter. So I think I'd probably get some of that from him. That's cool, man. Uh, the, the album starts out with the cover of uh, Damn Country Music from Tim McGraw. Why that song? Well, I, I love the lyrically what that song was talking about. You know, and I feel like, you know, what the world we're in now, me especially, the change in my reality from having a record deal and traveling the country playing shows is, you know, there's a lot about it that's a grind, you know, and it's just a travel and being on the road and being away from home. I uh, first heard the song from Jesse Alexander, songwriter that I write with quite a bit, and uh, really just kind of had a vision for what I wanted it to sound like musically, and it's different enough uh, stylistically from Tim's version, and I wanted to just cut it, you know, and it's kind of, uh, you know, you're out here on the road playing shows every night, and it's 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 a lot of fun to play songs you enjoy playing. Yeah. And it's something that I like to cover, so it was felt like a great song to be the first one on the album. Did you send it to Tim? I haven't. I saw Tim like not long after I cut it, but we were kind of passing backstage at a show somewhere. But uh, hopefully, he gets to hear it and hopefully, approves of it. Okay, interesting that he. Okay, just putting it out there and yeah, didn't even call him or anything. Okay, <laughs> all right. Um, so, have you ever met him other than in that passing? Yes. Yeah, so uh, we we've done a few events together uh, with the label, you know, and uh, he's always been really great to me. Matter of fact, gave me a little leather uh, thing to keep my pack in with my in-ears you know oh, last nice. time I saw him but uh something's pretty special to this genre I think is everybody kind of pulls for each other and everybody's been where I'm at you know yeah um you and Jelly Roll both played a George Jones tribute concert earlier this year uh was that kind of the seed for Copenhagen and a Cadillac uh so J- me and Jelly Roll hit it off uh I don't even know where we met at but we've done several shows together and uh Obviously, he's having a great moment in country music. He's a super likable guy, and he's obviously got a 
pretty insane story. Uh, but I wrote that song, you know, just a fun, lighthearted song, kind of as a joke. I had that title for a while, and I don't think I was planning on cutting it. And I just texted it to him. It sounded like something he might kind of be interested in. He called me immediately, like, please let me be on this song. So it worked out great. Obviously, it's a, it's a cool collaboration. I think maybe people probably weren't expecting. So looking forward to everybody hearing that. Dude, you need to take him duck hunting. Would he be a good partner, or would he just be smelling like weed and be a little too? too <laughs> well, the you know? dust can't smell you, so that's not an issue. I think maybe, <laughs> you know, he's he's a pretty jovial guy. He's kind of out loud, yeah, and so yeah. I don't know if he could be still and quiet long enough. Oh yeah, he's gonna be so quiet. Yeah. He'd be like, "Hey, Riley, man, what's up?" Oh, yeah. I don't think that's, I don't think that's for him. Um, let's see. What did you guys really hit it off talking about? Like, you guys don't really have too much in common on paper. Yeah, I, man, I just think it was country music you know i mean he's obviously a, a a country music lover i know he was a big fan of which grandpa's never died and uh his show at bridgestone he had me out sing that song during his set you know and i think he just sat up there and cried the whole time while i sang it but wow. he's uh you know just the the love of country music i think kind of brought a lot of people together in this town um you're going on tour uh with tracy lawrence uh do you guys have you hung out with him before i have tracy's great obviously i'm a huge fan of tracy lawrence you know legendary country music singer and uh has had I don't know how many hits, uh, but how cool to be able to take somebody like that out on tour and, and uh, him do some shows with me. I think it's going to be awesome. I know I'll be watching every night side stage. And are you guys buddies? Yeah, I mean, it, as much as you can be, you know, it, to to have a country music career now means to be pretty busy. So we, we both stay on the road quite a bit, but I'm looking forward to getting to hang out with him next year on the tour. Is it weird, like, now that you've, like, you're on and you've made it, having some of these guys you grew up listening to as, like, friends? Oh, my gosh. It's it's, it's the coolest thing about what we get to do is is uh, meeting these people that you grew up listening to and uh, collaborating with some of them and uh, getting to share the stage with them. It's, uh, it's pretty wild to be thinking that I'm, I've got Tracy Lawrence going on tour with me. You know, I've been a big fan of him forever. And you seem to be a guy that people go to to collaborate uh, recently. Like, what? How, do you turn a lot down? Do you get a lot? What was happening here? I don't know that I would turn anybody down that wants me to do a song with them. I'm like Lil Wayne right now. For yeah, a while, that's I was, what I'm saying. I was on everybody's feet. No, yeah. it was uh, the song with Thomas Rhett, Half of Me, was you know such a big hit. And, and uh, I, I, what I love about it is how organically a lot of this stuff happens. You know, it's not like the management's calling so and so or whatever. It was really like us sitting around a duck camp playing songs for each other and trying to figure out some way we could collaborate. And, you know, it's what I love about country music. This genre is pretty special in that a lot of these people really have this watering hole in Nashville to kind of get together and uh, creatively try to come up with something that fans will enjoy. But Thomas is not a good duck hunter, right? He wore yellow or something? Well, he he had some brand new Sitka camouflage. It was a little little bright for my my liking. But (laughs) I got to find stuff to give him a hard time about. That's all I could. He was a good shot, so I couldn't give him a hard time about anything else. Uh, You're headlining venues that are larger than artists who have had two or three times as many hits. Does the size of the venue or the position on the charts matter to you? Or do do you lose sleep worrying about that? I certainly don't try to worry about charts. I think that uh, how loud the fans sing a song to me is whether or not it's a hit. You know, I've uh, been really fortunate to have some songs like I Wish Grandpa's Never Died that, you know, I don't think will ever go away. And uh, it seems like people just get louder and louder singing those songs at shows. So the venues getting bigger is uh, something that's definitely motivating and exciting for somebody like me to come from playing 
little hole-in-the-wall bars in Alabama a handful of years ago to be doing arenas is, is pretty insane. What is on your current tour rider, and what, like, was it when you first started out? Like, how did that... I don't think I had a rider for a long time. I figured out what that was and that I could get free booze and stuff at shows. <laughs> I, uh, I remember when I signed a record deal, we were going to all these fancy restaurants and they were trying to sign me, and so I started drinking wine with everybody, you know, and I got where I liked white wine, so I had <laughs> I put Kim Crawford on my rider. And uh, a, pr- a promoter that I've known for years called me and said, man, that's hilarious. You got me. I was, what are you talking about? He said, you got white wine on your rider. Right. It's got to be a joke. I was like, no, nah, man, I love it. I drink it out of a Dixie cup on stage. <laughs> so fans won't know I drink that, you know. I think I'd lose some fans. If they think I got, like, hard whiskey in there. I'm drinking Sauvignon yeah, yeah. Blanc. But, uh, I, I don't have anything crazy. Everybody wants to hear a story of, like, yeah. all green M&Ms or something. I just, yeah. you know, some towels, some waters, and something to drink. We can make yeah. it. How has your life changed since uh, being half naked on the internet? <laughs> well, uh, every interview is uh, the same now. <laughs> we talk about uh, underwear modeling. Now it's uh, uh, it was it was an interesting collaboration. They were they were really great to work with. Obviously, I wasn't you know getting oiled up backstage or anything. It was just a you know them having t-shirts and socks. They had a really great like creative side idea that was kind of funny and uh, you know like I said it's a. Uh, Times are tough. We're taking endorsement deals wherever we can get them. You know. I hear you. Um, are you still one of country music's most eligible bachelors? I don't know about all that. I'm I'm uh, pretty ineligible in the sense of how busy I am on the road. I think that's why it's so tough for me to to settle down. Is you know you're spending a couple hundred days on the road. I don't know many girls that are okay with that. Yeah, yeah. I did get a dog. That's about the best I could do. Okay. All right. Um, And you were rocking just the stash for a while. A lot of people started doing that. Like Travis Kelsey is the one that's running it now. Did you stop because everyone else was stashing up? Yeah, I always like to model my facial hair after what I think people aren't doing. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I'm just – you know how it is. You get get bored out on the road, sitting around on the bus, waiting on a show to start and start – Shaving a mustache. I don't know. There's not no big plan there, I don't guess. Sometimes if I go on vacation, I can if I change up my facial hair, I can slip around for a couple uh, days without go. anybody knowing me. Okay. But once a picture gets out, it's like the mustache is very recognizable. Yeah. So it only works for a couple of days. Let me ask you about duck hunting. Um you post when you post pictures, you have like dozens of rows of ducks. What do you what what do you do with those ducks? Are you eating all that? Do you send it to friends? Yeah, uh, I mean, not all of them obviously, but a, a lot of people don't have the means to go out and duck hunt like I do. So, uh I've got a lot of people that are always, you know, hey man, when you get a few extra bring me some breasts or whatever. So we we clean them all and I throw some in the freezer for myself and I usually don't have any shortage of people wanting deer or duck meat when the season's over. What's the difference between a chicken breast and a duck breast? I've never had a duck breast. Uh, duck breast is a little gamier. It's it's dark meat, uh, but then you just have to try it. I say uh, fillet it, put some cream cheese, a jalapeno in it, wrap it in bacon, cook it on the grill. That's Dude, who would have known? Got a yeah. new album coming out. Next is going to be a recipe yeah, book. It might just be like a chef or something, you know? That's something to fall back on. <laughs> well, thanks for coming by, man. I'm really enjoying the collaborations on this record, man. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Now, as a bonus on this podcast, we also had Russell Dickerson that stopped by. Let's jump into this Russell Dickerson interview. What's up, dude? My man. Russell D in the house. Tonight. Here we are, bro. Good to see you, man. You're about to be a dad for the second time. Yeah. What uh, what are you nervous about? What are you excited about? 
Oh, man. I'm excited about being home for a little bit. We yeah. got about a month off, which is beautiful. Uh, but, dude, I'm I'm nervous about just being overwhelmed. You it, know? It is. I, I feel overwhelmed right now. And yeah. then we're about to have a newborn. And, you know, it's a lot. This whole this whole life's a lot. It's what you signed up for. Yeah. And but dude, it's all good. We're just we're just I'm we're there. We're two weeks out. Let me give you a if I can offer give any me advice. All the tips. Just we just had our other uh, kid, second child uh, when? Uh, two months ago. Okay. It gets a lot worse. It's not better. <laughs> it's awesome. Don't get me wrong. But the hardest part is just plan on like needing an extra 15 minutes to get ready to go mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah. That's the hardest thing is like, you think, you, I don't know. We look back and go like, man, remember what it was like when we had one kid? What did we do all day? Yeah. It's that. And it's crazy. Because that's what you think after you have one kid. You're like, bro, when what we had we no kids. do all day? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm pumped for you, man. Uh, Thanks, bro. Tell me the story behind uh, your song, God Gave Me a Girl, as we get that one up the chart. Yes, sir. Well, I mean, this one is like, this is about when my wife and I broke up. I broke up with her. Okay. In college. And when any we were, particular reason, uh, I, dude, I was just like, I had just signed my first publishing deal. We were touring and we were like, you know, I was like, yo, I'm about to be a rock star, dude. Like <laughs> yeah. I ain't trying to be tied down. You know, I could be out here and meet Taylor Swift or something, dude. You never know. And so that was the reason. But what's funny is like literally while we were broken up, we went and played somewhere and. Like, I made out with a girl on the road, you know, whatever. And I was like, after I was just like, ugh. I was just like, this is not my vibe. Like, this ain't this ain't all it's cracked up to be. Maybe, it maybe works for some people. Right. But, dude, I I made out with a girl. And I was just like, ugh. This, <laughs> this doesn't feel great, dude. You know? And the show sucked. Like, we played for, like, 15 people. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. like, is this really the the rock star life that I'm going to live without up? her? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that was just kind of a moment for me. It was just like, what am I doing? And I felt like while we were broken up, God was like, bro, if you want the best life ever, then this is your girl. Wow. And I was like, all right. Loud and clear. And wow. so we broke up for like a month. Okay. And then we got back together. So that's kind of like the where the song came from of God gave me a girl. What did your wife think when she first heard it? I mean, she yeah, she loves it. I mean, she hears so many so many of my songs and it's just it's it's funny to like relive the the single life memories and all that stuff and but yeah, no, she loves it. Uh, you just started your uh, Big Wheels and Black Roads tour. How's Back that? Roads. Back Roads, sorry. Yes. Black Roads. I mean, roads are black. <laughs> yes, they are. What, uh, what's what been going on, man? How's that going? Bro, crazy. This is like our first big boy tour. Okay. Like, we've been playing little venues here and there, but like... Headline, we, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we've been headlining, but this is the first one where it's like, we're stepping into venues of like, I mean, Boston was like four or 5,000 people, and... You know what I mean? It's yeah. like selling, like breaking our merch records, breaking our gross records, all this stuff. That's and it's awesome. Like, it's amazing. But it's like, it's definitely more pressure. Um, but like we got the, this is the first time we've got like the big video walls and all this stuff. It's, it's so fun, man. It's, it's, it is, it is more pressure, but we're just trying to learn to just enjoy it, have fun and 
Now, you know, as the headlining the act, uh, as a headlining act, people are going to judge your uh, spread backstage. Hundred percent. Uh, I know. Um, what's what's the spread looking like? <sighs> well, lately it's just been well at Boston. What do we have? We had for lunch. We had like a beef pot pie, chicken pot pie kind of vibe. Dinner was oh, what was it, dude? It was so good. I was proud of it. Okay. My, my tour manager picked out the menu. Okay. And so, yeah. <laughs> who, when you were opening up and stuff, who do you, who had the best spread that you were opening for? Ooh, who did? I feel like Tim McGraw had the best spread. Like there were venues where we would sit down and they would come take your order. What? In catering, bro. Yeah. They took your order? Yeah. At a concert venue? Yeah. Uh-huh. What? So I mean, it was like a, it was a fixed menu, yeah, but it's like but... like a wedding. Like, do you want the chicken? Do you want the steak? Wow. Do you want the salmon? Wow, Tim yeah. McGraw, bro, came through. Wow, no names, but can you give me a time where you didn't feel appreciated when you're opening up? Honestly, not really. I've been I've been blessed. I mean, I've been out. I think Thomas Rhett was the first tour over and above taken care of. We're buddies. Uh huh. Uh, and so, I mean, ever since then, man, it's just been, it's been great. Um, Chris Lane was in here spilling secrets. I want to play. Uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, take me back to your favorite moment on the Kane Brown tour. Uh, favorite moment on the Kane Brown tour. I would say after show, uh, we played a lot of ping pong and I'm pretty good at ping pong, but, uh, it turned into sting pong. And if you don't know what sting pong is, uh, it's where you play with your shirt off. And whoever loses the point has to turn around. You get to hit the ball at them as hard as you possibly can. Now I've never heard of that. And Russell Diggerson was also a part of this. Then we started playing doubles. Uh, I, needless to say, Kane will, will tell you, I definitely was lighting people up out there. Yeah. <laughs> so is he for real? Or is he just talking trash? Bro, I remember that night. That was so much fun. <laughs> Yeah, bro. That was it. Did we just started playing ping pong? It turned into sting pong, and I mean, dude, we played for hours, hours. It's great, so fun. Have you guys announced the name of your baby yet? We haven't. Okay, no, we have, haven't. Have yet. you slipped up and no one knows? No, okay, not really. No. So with with but ours, we didn't announce ours uh-huh. either, and uh, the kid's name is Remy. But the only thing I would do is I would just start saying like, "Man, my new favorite show is Remy and Boo." It's like this uh-huh. cartoon, yeah, little things like that. You never spill uh, any, yeah, any yeah, secrets yeah. or anything, yeah, bro. Uh no, I mean it's it's uh, I'm trying to get you to spill the name. I know. <laughs> yeah, we're we're waiting. We're waiting. Two more it. weeks. Don't mess it up. She'll be so pissed. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, oh, you guys have been open about how your uh, this is your rainbow baby. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, did that sadness hit you in the same way as it moved your wife? Uh, yeah, I think so. I yeah. mean, it 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 kind of comes in waves. Still, you know, it's something. Especially the reason it was hard is like, I mean, you, you see a heartbeat on the ultrasound Mm -hmm. and then you go back in and there's nothing, Mm -hmm. you know? And so we, we had a, our first pregnancy was, was like, they call it a chemical pregnancy, which like, it's not an actual like forming of a being, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's just like, whatever. So this one was like. Oh, there's a heartbeat. Yes. Okay. Like you're relieved. 
And then they're like, oh, looking a little small, whatever. And that just like downward spiral. And then you go back in and there's no heartbeat. So uh, it comes in waves, man. Little things will just kind of remind you of it. And, and I mean, life goes on obviously, but yeah, there's just little moments where I'll just like start tearing up in the kitchen because I think about this and that and that and this, and it just leads to thinking about it. So there's a community of moms out there who can relate, but dads aren't as open about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Was there anyone you leaned on during this time or that you can lean on other than your, your, other than my wife? Um, I mean, my best friend, yeah, my best friend, Ben, you know, is, is always, I mean, we talk about everything obviously. And so it's, um, yeah, I'm trying to think specifically of not really other like guys who have gone through the same thing, but yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, you've always seemed like a guy that hits the gym pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, do you understand like dad bods though? And like, are you about to dad bod up or no? I'm, I'm avoiding the dad bod at all costs. Even with two kids, you're not uh, yeah. committing. Okay. No, dude. I have, I have taken one. Like I used to, my goal was like shre- absolute shred, <laughs> absolute shred. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I have taken a step back from that of okay. like, this is just too much. Bro. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Five days a week, 45 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, Maybe one day I'll get there, but right now I'm like, you don't think you're gonna take it down another notch? No like, way. Okay. No, okay. this is this is as low as I can go. This is the highest body fat I can okay. live with. What about the yard? Are you still gonna keep that crispy? <clears throat> I don't. I don't touch the yard. Sometimes I do. Okay. Sometimes I'll go out there and because we live in the woods, so we don't really have like a yard, but we have a we got a guy who comes and mows and weedies like the the general vicinity. Uh, but dude, I'll hop up in the woods with a weed eater every once in a while. And it's, yeah, yeah, you get therapy, in there, dude. Yeah, yeah, it makes you feel like a man. Yeah, bro, I you got that, that thick cord. Yeah, because yeah, it ain't yeah. grass up yeah. there, bro. It's, the chain looking the bushes. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. that's big time. Are you guys gonna try for a girl, or uh, is that a? Uh, are you guys we're just we're just out? gonna have we're just gonna have like three or four kids. So, oh wow, whatever. I don't know okay. how you. How do you try for a girl? I, you know, you just keep I mean, going to you. Yeah. I mean, there's different theories, yeah, but I don't think yeah. any of them work. You know what I'm saying? Uh, what's the main underlying message of life that you want to instill in your boys? Oh, dude, we were just at a thing last night and Lori McKenna sang humble and kind. And I was like, yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, but really more so is the faith element, man. Like, Knowing that knowing God, trusting God, living for God, you know, that's, that's our foundation as, as a married couple. And, um, and as parents, you know, it's like just teaching them to use what he's given us, you know, like use, use the tools that he gives us every day to live the best life possible. I love it, man. Man. I love it. Finally, uh, where have you been where you heard one of your songs that recently or in the past that was like awkward or funny? (laughs) Um, where what? I mean, I feel like one of the most recent ones was like a Home Depot, which was always, which is always what I wanted. Okay. I like to hear songs in Home Depot. I'm like, oh, that's cool. 
You know, that's I don't a know big why. Play. Like they play their music loud. Right. Yeah. What was it? What song? Do you remember? Maybe every little thing. Wow. I think. In or a something. Home Depot, did you feel like Al Borland from Tool Time? <laughs> like, did you feel like the man? Like, yeah, bro. I would yes. have been beasted yes, up in there. Exactly. That's awesome, yeah. man. Well, congrats on all the success, man, dude. Man, thank you, bro. Yeah, man. Thanks for taking the time. And we're going to bring in Billy Dukes from behind the camera to talk about this interview here with Riley Green. I love the image of Riley Green and Jelly Roll duck hunting together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, I thought you were about to say uh, Riley Green and Jelly Roll doing an underwear commercial. Oh, uh, no, I don't like that image as much. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be funny, both of them duck hunting. I don't even know if you could get Jelly Roll out there, man. No, no I mean, I mean Riley's, he, he seems like he's legit. Like, he might spend days just living in the woods yeah, so the docs think yeah. he's, like, part of the landscape. Yeah. And Jelly would be like, hey, Riley! <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Riley, you see this tree? It looks like a penis. How do I, how do I climb this tree? I don't think this is gonna work. Oh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna text my wife something real quick. Hey, buddy. Yeah, hold on. Let me get her on FaceTime. Like yeah, I don't think, that wouldn't be a good uh, duck hunting trip. I don't think it is cool that they became friends though, because I mean. I mean, I guess they're both in country. They're both from the South. But, you know, like you said, on paper, they don't look like they have a lot in common. But they, they bonded over country music and, and put out a really good song together. Yeah, it is good. I, I wonder if they would, uh, if they met each other like at Kroger or like the grocery store, if they would be uh, friends. You know, that's one of those that you you wonder if, you know, the music brought them together and they're friends or if they would have been friends before that. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I I wonder this about uh, Jelly Roll in general. Like, if we didn't have Post Malone successful and kind of bleeding into country music a little with his face all tatted up, are we as embracing of Jelly Roll? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think so. I think his story is pretty genuine and, you know, his sound is there. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, Riley's an interesting dude to me because he does seem like such a guy's guy. Well, you can get him going kind of deep and emotional, especially when he, you get to talking about his grandfather's and how important that relationship. Like, if you thought there was any front, it totally falls away when he opens up about Grandpa. Yeah, definitely. And anytime I've ever talked to him, he he always says it the same way. He's like, my granddaddy Buford, you know, and it's like, um, it's got to be cool because they probably didn't have too much time together. So it must have meant a lot to him. Also, I wonder, does Riley's dad feel like he's like not as cool interesting i guess maybe that depends on the relationship between riley's dad and his father yeah like man you just skipped right over me right right you know that i always thought about that because i mean he the way he speaks his granddaddy buford it's it's almost as if he he's the one that raised him right maybe he was his dad's like what's my song yeah yeah. i'm the one that fed you i did all this yeah right i can't even get a lyric yeah yeah anything I don't know. I mean, you could take. I, I think he has a he had a pretty stable household. From what I remember, his parents were still married, and um, a, a, a pretty normal. What you might think of as kind of a normal childhood. And his dad, you would hope that his dad just appreciated that he had that bond for some about twenty years or so. I think. Yeah, I agree. Until yeah. he died, um, Riley. Though I mean, he's only had I think one number hit, one number one, number one hit, a couple of top tens. He's playing six or seven thousand seat arenas. I mean. That is legit arenas. Yeah, he's got a fan base. And I wonder, you know, I think a lot of them, um, 
I think a lot of fans are women that, you know, honestly, like, think he's good looking. You know, I think he's got a lot of that, you know, because anytime I ever bring him up to anybody, they're like, oh, Riley Green. Like any girl. And then the underwear ad. Like, there's something there. I I feel like, I mean, his music is good, obviously, but I feel like he has like a very um, loyal fan base. Like, like back in the day, like where Justin Timberlake couldn't say he had a girlfriend if he did. Like, right. I feel like Riley green, Dustin Lynch was kind of that way. He was secretive a little bit. I, I feel like, um, they're just a lot of what they portray mm-hmm. is that they're available. And his live show isn't, it's not like this over the top, super, right. He kind of, Picks and plays in a way like George Strait does, where George Strait can kind of do it on these big stadium shows that he's doing. He, he kind of commands the stage, and it's a great show. That's kind of how Riley is. He's not running back and forth across the stage. He'll do a significant acoustic portion of the show, playing songs like uh, Grandpa Never Died. But he just has this confidence and this aura about him that I think is is pretty magnetic. Yeah, I mean, when you pose in your underwear, you know, that tends to happen. Were you nervous to ask the underwear question? A little bit. For a couple of reasons. I knew that, like, <laughs> I, well, I, I knew that people have probably already grilled him about it. Yeah. And, you know, and then, yeah, I didn't want him to be uncomfortable, you know, but it is kind of funny. I was kind of wondering how far you're going to go there. Like, if you're going to get into his preferred <laughs> underwear styles, like, what kind of, like, underwear he, he got from him. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I think I topped out on that, you know, back in 2019 when y'all had Brett Young paint my nails. Or I painted Brett yes. Young. You know, I right. think, you know, I just get him just toeing the line a little bit, just being careful. Um, this Riley Green interview, I want to get your take on this because this is a little bit of a pivot, but kind of related to our business. Okay. Um, and it came out recently that uh, a sportscaster who does a podcast named Pat McAfee, yeah, he pays Aaron Rodgers for those interviews, like a million dollars for the season for Aaron Rodgers. And they everybody just thought they were friends and Aaron Rodgers always... Same, really? And he comes on, but no, he, he pays them a significant amount of money to do those interviews. Like whenever he wants access to them, he can? Well, I think it's like a weekly deal. He's got to come on weekly. Wow. And I think they're legitimately friends and Aaron Rodgers enjoys doing it, but he also takes a paycheck for yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, we have never... <laughs> it's almost funny to say out loud. Uh, we obviously have never paid a guest yeah. for an interview, but does that taint... That interview for you. What's your take on that? Um, not as much because we get our guests because they need us to promote something. They're not just coming in because they're our friends. So to me, I kind of see it as the same almost like, like they're using each other's avenues for a reason. Um, but the, I don't know. That's a lot of money, you know. They're paying. They're they're getting promotion out of it, so that's kind of like their payment. And yeah, and what does Aaron Rodgers need out of Pat McAfee? That's the thing. Aaron Rodgers is already like famous, but like Jason Aldean needs us in a way where maybe you know we'll tell a certain amount of people to buy his album. Whereas, what does Aaron Rodgers need from Pat McAfee? A million dollars. Jason Aldean, by the way, a future guest here coming up on the podcast. Yeah, that yeah. Come so, um, I, I wonder if Pat McAfee wanted that to news to come out. Did he really? He did not. It? He okay. did not. He, That's in fact, he called the guy who spilled it uh, a rat. This guy named Andrew Marchand, who's kind of a media reporter. That's interesting uh, for spilling that. But like, that's kind of like in the journalistic world, that's like a no-no. You don't pay your sources. 
But I feel like what Pat McAfee and even to some extent what we do isn't straight journalism. It's more show business. It's, it's more entertainment. Yeah. Uh, so, but there's a real gray area in there. That's like. Because Pat McAfee's show, it's on TV and it's mm-hmm. entertaining. Like I watch it sometimes, you know, so like. And, you know, those ratings, he'll get bonus, I'm sure, if he has good ratings. So is it an investment into a show? Does he make that money back because Aaron Rodgers is on there, um, you know, and gets yeah. Garner's ratings? Well, he does. His profile has certainly been raised by the Aaron uh, Okay. Rogers. So maybe that was the best million bucks he ever spent. Probably, why not tell them? Tell the audience, though. Like, I don't think... The, you lose anything by just being up front or putting a little bug down in the corner of the interviewer saying, you know, guests were compensated for their time. Like, I don't have any issue with that. Do you? What, what's the benefit of it? Honesty and not having to deal with this sort of PR fallback of people thinking that you're just paying all your guests and none of it's real. Interesting. I, guess. I mean, we've done interviews in the past where our artists are... Are pitching a thing, you know, mm-hmm. we get pitched on them from time to time, a, a whiskey or a drink, yeah, or, or something like that, and, and and like we, you know, we steer the conversation there at some point, so they can kind of get their wares in. I, I guess that would kind of be similar. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, to me, I'm, I feel like that makes Pat McAfee show not seem as big. You know, it's like, yeah, oh, I thought Aaron Rodgers was. Just coming by because this is the show to be on. Right, right. You know? But then, I mean, but but then, like, you you have to look at that for everything. Like, oh, I thought Millie Bobby Brown was on Stranger Things just because it's the show to be on. No, she's getting paid. So it's like, I don't know. I'm kind of torn, man. Yeah, I, I kind of am as well. Um, you know what it kind of maybe boils down to is there's, Far fewer, like, A-list athletes, like Aaron Rodgers, than there are, like, the Pat McAfee types. There's a lot of sports media, a lot of sportscasters. Yeah. In our industry, there's a lot more media than there are, or there's a lot more artists at that level than there are media outlets that have that kind of reach. Yeah. So it's almost like a little bit of a different, I'm not saying people should be paying us. No, I mean, that but. would be cool. Not even the company, just me and you. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah, just, just hand me a, a hundred on your way out the door. Yeah, sure. Or I'll take some of that duck meat. Yeah, you know, right? I would settle for Riley Green's yeah, duck yeah, meat yeah, yeah. next I'm time Yeah, I'm surprised he, he didn't in. offer any of that up. Yeah. Bring it in. <laughs>